0: Everyone, welcome back to QSR Nation, your weekly source of food service marketing and business strategies for success. Here are your hosts, Josh, Beth, Tony, and Grant from the PFS Brands National Headquarters in Holt Summit, Missouri.
1: Everybody, welcome back to QSR Nation. As always, we have Josh, Beth, Grant, and Tony from the PFS Brands National Headquarters in Holston, Missouri, to talk about food service marketing and business strategies for success. Today, we finally did it. We got somebody that's always around here at the PFS Brands National Headquarters to be on the podcast, and that's Mark Gandy. We he, snatched him away. Yeah, technically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's the owner of G3CFO.com, a small business consulting practice. So, welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. That's gonna be hard to live up to. <laughs> now,
2: now, Mark, can you kind of just tell us a little bit, a little bit about your background? Uh, I'm a recovering accountant. <laughs> Snaps for Mark. Then there you yeah, go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so did the accounting thing back in uh, Truman University in Missouri. Uh, first job at a college, KBMG, Pete Marwick. So did the accounting thing. Uh, worked a really fun uh, family-owned business in North Central Missouri for about ten plus years. Um, started my own practice in 2001 and a lot of the work I do is helping small business owners who need a CFO can't afford a, a full-time CFO so I jump in but I also help not just with the CFO part uh, there's three parts to every business there's marketing there's sales there's operations so finance is just a support part of the, the function HR is support legal support so so once you figure out the marketing the sales and the operations hopefully we can start getting some traction but but my background is in finance nice boring is that that no (laughs) that's a very important
1: part of any business exactly (laughs) uh, anything we could all take from so i know that you are really big into um knowing the strengths and weaknesses of yourself and your clients and all their employees as well why is
2: that so important you know I got the questions ahead of time, <laughs> and one, so again, one of the questions is talking about what you said, the strengths and weaknesses, and I thought, man, that's, that's not an easy question right. because, you, I mean, you can have an easy, quick answer for that, but I got the thinking, one of my kids, I have an index card, <laughs> so um, you know, one of my kids recommended the book, The uh, Boys in the Boat. Uh, Loved it. It's uh, 1930 whatever year that uh, we went to the Olympics. It was pre-World War II Olympics, it might have been 36, the Jesse Owens Olympics. So you had this rowing team up in Washington and I believe the rowing teams have 8 rowers I believe. So what I loved about that book is 8 rowers, you'd think they'd just be plug and play, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not correct. Uh, Because the people in the back of the boat are a little bit stronger The people up in the front near the stern they're not as big But everyone still needs to they need to have the proper cadence in order to win And so as I got to thinking about your question, which is easy to gloss over I thought you know in small business usually the goal (coughs) is Usually the goal is get them hired (laughs) get them hired Mm -hmm. and then we'll worry about getting them in the right seat later but To me, when I think about the whole rowing analogy, it's so important to get the right people in the right position because if not, it's going to be problematic. Now, in a grocery store, uh, in a C-store, you know how important is that? I mean, that that could probably be debated, but I still think it's important to try to figure out how can we get this person's unique gifts and talents into the right role that will help the the business to to grow and thrive.
3: And that's a great point because if someone is a natural, you know, uh, outspoken person and you know they're they're that that extrovert you know having them to be you know a great point of contact with a customer could be really good for engagement and asking people to try new things for upsells etc whereas if they're more introvert i mean not saying that they shouldn't maybe build that skill set and actually still do that position but if they feel they can really you know, blossom more with maybe inventory management and checking in and stuff and receiving and dealing with a a smaller group of folks, you know, you can actually, you know, really benefit from that, from playing off of those strengths and both those people feel good about building on what they know they're good at and what they're comfortable with.
0: And I think one thing that you spoke about in the huddle a couple weeks ago was something very important is that you shouldn't necessarily focus on your weaknesses. Yes, everyone has them, but you need to focus on your strengths because everyone's going to have those weaknesses and you can understand what you can do to try and develop those further so that we get better. But really focus in and hone in on those strengths so that we get better and better and better. And that's what you can actually always contribute to the table and to whatever teamwork that you do have.
2: I know some of us here around this table like baseball. I I do. Well, Grant pretends he likes baseball. He's a Royals fan. He's not like like real baseball. I like it very much. (laughs) Not not like a Cardinal fan or anything. But but Babe Ruth is in the Hall of Fame because he hits home runs. Ozzie Smith, if you don't know the name, he's in the Hall of Fame because he has a a good glove. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lou Brock uh, is in the Hall of Fame because he can steal bases. And so if you had to ask Lou Brock to be a home run hitter, He's not going to be in the hall of fame so again he, like you like he said that uh, focusing on the strengths and and so they were able to propel their teams all, all of those players were on cha- championship teams at one time mm-hmm. so it's a great great question
4: that analogy is really good, too. It actually reminds me of um, dog sled teams, too. Exactly. Because yep. I, I, don't, I don't remember the details, but I think like every row of dogs has a different job or whatever, a different strength. That so. mm-hmm. was really deep, yeah, was. Grant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Dang. And we're going to pause for a yeah. moment and just all. Everyone just reflect. Okay. <laughs> Wait, now.
3: Is, is there a
0: backstory here? No, he just has another little quirky thing. <laughs> Did <laughs> it <to> go Insert <laughs> slow clap. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so you have the um, you know one of the things you brought to us was the uh, the Colby strength you know test and you know there was all these different components to it. Um, why do you think that that is such an important piece for ownership and leaders to have staff take that? First,
2: <laughs> do, do we need do we need to define? Uh, what the call be yeah that'd probably yeah. Be good yeah, yeah. i mean nobody better than you to define that for sure uh first of all I'm, I'm not an expert at it uh i i'm i'm a i'm a passionate i have passionate curiosity by the, the way
1: i'd like to interject he's also probably the
2: most humble person in the entire <laughs> world. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> well about i want to say back in 2003 to 2004 i was at an, at an event hosted by gary boomer uh, gary is like one of the most respected accountants for the last umpteen years in the industry and he kept mentioning colby 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 i'm thinking is that some kind of a cheese or something <laughs> uh, but once i heard, learned about the assessment i got around to taking it four years later so i really did because i'm very skeptical of stuff like that so i took the assessment i thought you know this is very very fascinating but i really didn't do a lot with it and by the way i'll get to the i'll get to the uh, the the what of it in just a second but then i got to spending more time mentoring and coaching other people so i really wanted to get better at being able to be a better coach so i i revisited colby and the reason i put a lot of focus into it is because i'm going to use the term quick start again we'll define that in just a minute a you know, quick start you usually want to start on the last page you know get to the point you know bullet points uh, i'm a fact finder very as kathy would say long in the tooth fact finder so we like our we like our research facts information well done uh, we, we want that last piece of information we love answers we, we don't stop until we're, we're done but with a quick start you know what you know, i usually start on the last page bullet points and that's how our founder uh, sean is, is a quick start So once I started digging deep into the Colby, the whole cognitive mindset, it helped me really to be a better coach, a better listener, and helped me to quit focusing on me and focus on the other person more. So what Colby is, is it's not a personality profile. Everyone's taken one in school, maybe a past job like DISC is one, Myers-Briggs, if I said that correctly, the uh, Myers-Briggs indicator, type A indicator, something indicator. There are several others, but Colby is not that. It's, it, tr- it measures how you go about doing your work when you're in striving mode. So, Beth, when you come to the office every day, you know, day, let's say you're throwing a brand new project. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to look things up You may need to do some research. On the other hand, you may not. So there is no good or bad. You're you're either a fact finder or you may not need a lot of information to go forward. Uh, Some people, has Jim Spratt ever been on your show? Yes, yes, yes. If you knew nothing about Colby, the guy is, how many times did he say the word process? I mean, someone Uh, ought to... Process, And I can almost impersonate him. When, when this show's is over, I'll... Or <laughs> oh, you can do it now. or will embarrass <laughs> later, so I mean. but Please he, let me record it. He <laughs> is so systems, process... He can't even help it. And it's not necessarily a cognitive thing. It's just that's what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, if he needs to figure out a project, he's going to develop the system. And then uh, quick starts, uh, they're, again, they're so predictable. They have ideas, all kinds of ideas. Uh, they're also very manipulative. So if you ever want Sean, our founder, to do something, just tell him it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Write that down. Yeah. And, uh, and then there are, there are implementers. Implementers are very tactile. Uh, they like working work with their hands. So the, the reason I think getting back to the original question. Hope that wasn't too long. No, perfect. But the 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 reason for me Colby is useful and insightful. I think especially in in knowledge positions some positions require one or more of those traits. So if you get someone in the wrong role from a cognitive standpoint, there's going to be stress, there might be some strain and uh, and that's what you want to that's what you want to try to eliminate. So if if I can't remember what your profile is, Beth, you may have to jump. I was
0: I was actually uh, they didn't have an answer for me. At oh, the time. at the time, yes, and that's understand. Mm-hmm.
2: That's th- not an issue. Yeah. So do you remember your numbers, Grant? I don't remember my numbers, but I do remember that I was not a quick start. So would that mean? Yeah, be that's opposite. Not, that's, that's obvious. <laughs> 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 sorry. So so for example, I don't like to refer to my numbers, but I have an 8822. So if I'm taking on a brand new project, I'm gonna do my homework. I do read a lot already, so that helps. Uh, so I, in fact, I will call people. I will call people around the United States just to get an answer uh, for something. Uh, I'm a, I'm a follow through, so if you ever read any of my writings, you'll see lots of frameworks. Uh, there's always the system. I tend to be a little overly bureaucratic, but I notice that in me, so when I build systems, I try to build some guardrails to where people don't have to be so followed the process exactly this way. So if you were put me in a position where I didn't get to use those traits or I had to be a quick start, yeah. uh, again it's gonna lead to stress. So I think getting back to your original question, Josh, the key is can you get those Colby traits into the role where they match up, and that's th- then you're going to have some success. I think you yeah. asked that.
3: Yeah, and, and that's, I think, really key. I know that's one of the things that, uh, I guess, we're having them you know, actually set up on our, our doors so that you know you kind of maximize that. But I think it's really good because, you know, focusing on the strengths, I think, is, is really key for a couple of things. One, everyone likes to win. And if you're focusing on your strengths, you're going to, I think, honestly, you're going to win more often. Uh, and you're going to win early on. So that helps build confidence. It helps build success, and it continues the ball rolling. Now, you can look back and say, okay, now you got to work on this along the way, but if you need a win, your strength is going to be there to help you get there, whether it's completing a task, moving forward with the research, you know, maybe it's just checking the box so you know you've got that so you can move forward to the next stage. You know, I think knowing your strength and then also knowing your team's strengths help you
1: move those wins along more frequently. I think that's a huge point for teamwork, just knowing who you're working with. Like my manager and I, she is very much a fact-finder and doing her research and everything, and I'm just ready to go get started. So we clashed like that, and I knew that before we even did the Colby, and then once we did that, we both realized, yeah, that's why. But, you know, we created processes and things like that to work together better. So Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And, and one thing... Has Trevor been on your show? a uh, Long time ago yeah, as long well. Time he was ago. one of the top, probably first 20 episodes, uh-huh. probably. Yeah, so, so we're dropping a name, Trevor. Your are Trevor Monod, your CFO. Great, wonderful guy. Horrible golfer. Of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, Trevor and I, one of the terms that we'll use a lot is uh, Colby awareness. And, and I think one thing that can also occur is in a prior, I had a prior career, I'd like to admit it. Uh, I have a I have a writing background. I used to work in uh, broadcast journalism, so I used to write lots of news stories in a radio environment. and It was very stressful for me. I now in my uh, station, I wrote more news stories than anybody. Well, that was drive my drive. I, I was I competed. I always wanted to be the winner, so I wrote more stories. Sometimes up to ten times more stories than anybody else. I would even work at home just because mm-hmm. I wanted to win, but. Again, I'm a fact finder, so I, I was placed in a quick start scenario, because in radio you have deadlines every hour, so you have to be, and it was frustrating, whereas say like in a magazine, your, your, your deadlines could be months, month, yeah. and if you're working maybe on a, a long term project, your deadline could be six months out. So, so you could be an attorney, a trial lawyer, it's probably going to be a quick start he or she is going to just be painfully bored. They have to do research you know, all day. So just because you are a marketing person mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're gonna thrive in a certain role. It, that position is gonna have some type of a, a Colby, uh, an ideal an ideal Colby uh, role for, for whatever that work is. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so I do have a question, so how often because I know at that time I was interviewing for a different position than I am in now. Um, so how often should you take those types of tests? Because obviously you're gonna transition in and out of different positions or fields or anything like that.
2: That is a great question. You. You <laughs> have to, me to ask No, that question. no, it, it's an excellent question because the, the, there, there, I think there's a misconception. So if your score comes back says I'm in transition, it just means that there's a little bit of conflict, maybe in some of your answers. So you, you as a person, are never in transition. Mm-hmm. Now, God forbid you're ever in a, maybe an auto accident and your brain is scrambled a little bit, mm-hmm. but you will never. You, you're you're going to be the same person. This this score is pretty much factory installed uh-huh. at, at the beginning. So something occurred, Beth, when you took mm-hmm. that assessment. Maybe you sensed or felt that. I think this role requires me to be this, so I'm going to answer this way. But so you should only you only need to take it once. I have taken it twice out of curiosity one mm-hmm. digit, one digit change. Mm-hmm. So my original score is 8822. Two. My second score came back 8722. Two. Mm-hmm. I didn't even remember the question, so mm-hmm. you only need to take it one time. Okay, yeah, good question. That's yeah.
3: great because mine said. It was perfect. So uh, I'm, I'm so excited. Mine was
0: yeah. perfect, too. Yeah. It's because yeah. we yeah. transitioned as well. Yeah. That's why Josh and I work yeah. together.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. well together.
2: That's why Grant and I have the same birthday, so we're, we're, we're both perfect. <laughs> so, so I so I want to wanted <laughs> make an offer. I want to make an offer. Uh, my offer is, in your show notes or whatever, or you can do this on LinkedIn, but maybe the first three people, three listeners, who are interested in the Colby it's called the Kolbe Index. you want to spell that for him too? Oh, good, good, thank you. Yes, K-O-L-B-E, K-O-L-B-E. So the first three people that reach out to you either in, it can be, I guess, Twitter, email, or I, you all set Facebook, the rules. Anything, yeah. Yeah. The first three people will need your first name, last name, and email address, and then we'll get that link out to you that's awesome. Because otherwise, it, you know, the retail price, I believe, is $49.95, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Oh, cool. So definitely. You, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Definitely well, interested in that. First three
3: people. Well, I'll tell if you're in a position of leadership, definitely sign up and get it done because you need to make sure you know yourself, mm-hmm. you know, before you can coach other people and help build them up. You need to make sure you are in your own right process and where you are at. So definitely take advantage of Mark's offer there for sure. Yeah, and I going to say real quick, also kind of transition out of that. So once you kind of know that, where your team is and you're you're ready to kind of build forward, and that's where really, you know, some great financial literacy, you know, education can come into play there and begin to help those folks build it on themselves
2: and their strengths even further. Would you agree? Definitely, absolutely. Um, and i suppose you want me to keep um... <laughs> so i know we use the term financial literacy a lot i think one of your alls board members um, she uses the term business literacy a lot and i appreciate that because that's kind of where uh, my head is i mentioned earlier there are really three parts of the business now once you're past i'm assuming let's let's just say once you're past startup i don't know if we have any startup companies listening so, once you're beyond the startup phase, once you've got a, a proven, validated product and a customer base, there's really only three parts of the business, right? So there's marketing, there's selling, and then there's your operations. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's your, the, that's where the magic takes place. So what I do is, it doesn't matter who it is, we'll start with the marketing. So who is our customer, you know, what, what, what's the story? Uh, how many people do we need to be trying to bring in to get converted into sales? And then once we do the sales thing, uh, what, do, what do we need to be doing? So once we figure that out, what are the two or three key activities under each of those? In a small business, mm-hmm. it's pretty simple. You all have a complex, there's a lot of moving parts yeah. uh, in your business. and But for smaller businesses that maybe owns maybe let's say seven, eight grocery stores, I mean, there's only two or three key activities in their marketing. Used to sell newspaper mm-hmm. uh, space, and the big piece of their marketing was probably that insert uh, on a weekly or daily basis. Sure. And then the sales part. Let's say you're B two B. Maybe we have some uh, consulting firms. Uh, the sales <coughs> part is really critical. So I just look at. I just start there. I look at what are the key activities, and then under each of those pieces of work, what are the key numbers mm-hmm. that lead to success. And then, then we ultimately start talking about, okay, how does this all funnel into the financial statements? So I like to try to model it out first. That's that, that, that follow-through, Colby and me, that wants to, you know, here's the value chain in your business, and then how does that all flow into, say, like an income statement? And then we start getting, now we start getting to the, the financial uh, literacy. But once you understand the business model, the, to me the business model is here's how we make money. Here's how we make money. So money comes in, money goes out. Once I understand that model, then I can start, here's where those dollars hit the income statement. And uh, so that's that's how my approach is at looking at financial literacy.
3: Well, I think it's really key because so many uh, employees, they don't have the business literacy. Um, they know that they're, they're showing up for work, they're earning a paycheck, they understand what their function is and their role is, mm-hmm. but maybe they don't understand the impact that their individual job has on the business as a whole Uh, or there's a misconception that well you know grant owns the company so therefore he's taking home all the money and you get that different level of expectation going there as far as um, valuation of you know what my contribution as a team member actually is and i think that's so key that you know like you said know the model understand you know how it functions but also getting into and not being afraid to share that information with your team members because you might be really surprised at how much once someone gets it they can propel your business and
2: themselves. Go ahead. Well, as you're talking, I was thinking about one of the grocery stores I will pop into. I'm not going to say their names. We'll just say <laughs> it's a <in> rural Missouri. <laughs> it's not Walmart. It's not Hy-Vee. It's one of the smaller chains. I'll walk in there and there'll be these high school kids kind of huddled together. And I'm just thinking, why aren't you finding something to do? But they're there chatting. And I wonder, have they been taught, here's how this business makes money? It doesn't make money, you just setting mm-hmm. you know, standing there with the broom in your hand, just, just congregating, doing nothing. Now we've all been there. Right. I'm not trying to but I think the point is if everyone understands this is how this store makes dollars. By the way, the better I do, i more likely to keep my job, you know, the next week. <laughs> yeah. you know, so sort we're of talking about job security if I understand my, yeah. how my role plays out. Wow. Absolutely, I mean,
3: um, so we've talked before, I think on the show about how, uh, I have a big whiteboard at my house, you know, and my kids understand where every dollar comes in, where every dollar goes out, uh, they help, you know, even talk about well we, should we cut this service out, should we do this different? And they're very engaged in the finances, except my 12 year old. She's just like give me cash. But you know, pretty much everybody else is really engaged with it. And a friend of mine runs uh, a retail clothing store, my six-year-old went to work for her, and she said she was so impressed because she has such problem with high schoolers that it just takes like three of them to hang a shirt up. You know, and, and uh, you know, when she got there, she was like, I don't need your help. You need to be taking care of that customer. You need to be doing this. And started kind of dictating out what needs to be done. She was, you know, we've got to do this. We've got to make sure this stuff gets out because if we don't buy it, we don't have hours, okay? And I need my money. So we need to get this stuff moving. She was connecting the dots even at 16. So yeah, don't be afraid to take the moment and explain that business model to even a high schooler because it's amazing what I can motivate them, I and mean, money really works sometimes. They, they start to equate, well, if this sells, I get more hours, I, they feel good about themselves because they're helping achieve goals. So I, there's so much that can it would be beneficial to not just them as individuals, but to your store. I mean, that store actually wound up being the number one store um, in their chain for several months there, and, and a lot of that contributed to the fact that, I mean, they had a great manager. She, she was great. But she was actually being able to take and explain the business to the employees, adults or high schoolers, and they were responding. The ones that didn't respond,ed found new jobs. But the ones that, you know, did respond, they found enjoyment in what they were doing. So I think that's, you know, a really key takeaway for that opportunity.
1: That's definitely a very good example. Now, uh, Mark, I kind of want to circle back to the Colby and the strengths and weaknesses. And one thing I've always been fascinated with is, you know, how a lot of successful, successful <coughs> CEOs, um, they always say that they make when they make decisions, they make them quick, and they're slow to change the course after making these decisions. Um, now is that true, and why is making timely decisions so important?
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> a like, loaded what? question. I know I, I've
1: always found the topic fascinating.
2: I'm stalling. <laughs> <laughs> and I will have a great
0: answer. Do you want to tell us a joke first? <laughs> I'll have a great answer next Tuesday. <laughs>
2: um Grant what do you think of that <laughs> well <Go> ahead <laughs> I think if you're on a sinking ship like the dynamic you need some quick yeah decisions um I think it depends I think I think it's contextual I think it, I think it, it depends on the situation I have I mean I have this morning I, I'm one of my clients I meet every Tuesday morning and he is very long in the tooth uh, fact finder and he'll be the first to tell you that it takes sometimes time to make decisions he's also one of my profitable uh, if you look at the bottom line you look at the bottom line of his company and and take that compared to sales it's like over 30 percent and and he is probably the my highest performing and sometimes decisions are slow. So I think for every example you hear people making quick, fast, decisive mm-hmm. decisions, which by the way I like. I like being around people who are very decisive. They make a decision quickly. But I also know people who sometimes they take it takes a while, takes slower, uh, slower time to, to make decisions. But I think well, that's maybe why. That's, oh, sorry. So oh. maybe that's the
1: point: is that being decisive about once you make that decision and stay in the course. That can yes. Be-
2: yeah, as opposed to, yeah, I, one thing I don't like is people who waffle mm-hmm. and, and they can't. I mean, now we're getting into setting priorities and and, and staying, you know, staying the, the course. Mm-hmm. So maybe two different things. Right. So yeah, some people can make decisions a lot faster. But then I think the other thing is, can you stick to that decision? And I have worked with people, actually have let them go as clients because they kept, well, try this. No, let's try this. And that drives me crazy. Yeah it's like make a decision let's let's see this thing through and uh, i'm not saying they're going to fail but i think there's going to be a little bit different results if you just stick to the plan let's write this thing out now,
4: once, right. you, once you once you decide on something just be 100% confident in it and stay the course but I think
0: that's also why like, you build those teams out so like with our leadership team we have a good group of quick starters and mm-hmm. then you have a good group of the fact finders and you have to have that balance so that way yeah you're going to have some push and pull but that's what makes good decisions come out of that because you're going to have those ones that let's come up with the decision we've got that but when you have those fact finders those are the ones that are going to be able to kind of hone in on this is the right decision Here's your direction, but this is the right decision that we can go and eventually make everyone happy in that one.
2: And and, and again, it's it's a very good question. In fact, it's a really good question. If you can maybe look at some decisions you're making, is this a decision that's going to impact us over the next three months, or is this a decision that could impact us over the next 10 years? So you take Ford, Chrysler, GM, some of those uh, auto producers, they're making decisions. Maybe not as true as a day because you can design a lot faster. The lead times are a lot shorter. But you take a you take a, an organization that makes stuff. Uh, it's going to be some of those decisions are going to have an impact over the next three or four or five years because they can't just change a model over real mm-hmm. quickly. So I think your question is, is important. But I would also look at how what's the what's the time period the decision impacts us. If it's a shorter it's like yeah you can kind of go back and forth yeah but some of those that have a longer term impact yeah there can't be a lot of waffling back yeah, and well forth I,
1: I think to that point as well even if you're not doing a product say you're using another another, another company service to help you with mm-hmm. something you're um, lacking on um, it's important to actually stick with it long enough to have the data points to realize if it's successful or not at all exactly, yeah, exactly. good
2: point good point
1: and I think a lot of times companies will feel
3: that something isn't moving or feel that maybe it is and make continued adjustments based on that versus actually getting true numbers true data points like josh said to say okay this is actually moving the needle or this is the results of this decision and then reassessing to either move forward or change direction so i think you know a lot of this conversation it all comes down to data you know and knowing You know, who you you are, who your team is, and then also, you know, transition that into learning who your customer is and and how that's going to drive your business forward. You know, I mean, to to have a business that's highly, um, say, has good cash flow, you know, and they've got money coming in and everything versus a company that maybe just has great sales. But they're not profitable at all, you know. What I mean, I mean, it all depends on you know how they're looking at that, and you know, a lot of it can be dependent upon, you know, that team from top down driving. You know, who's who's pushing money to the bottom line and volume out the door, but at the same time, protecting the business for long term growth.
0: Yeah. Josh and I went to a conference a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about every company has access to all the data in the world that you want and you can that data is invaluable, you have to have it, but you have to understand what that data is and how you're gonna tell your story and what's the story that's gonna help you prove your ROI and that's what's gonna base your success on that one. So you could have all the data, but if you're just using it just to use it and you're gonna put every little different, well this data proves that this is not successful, this one's not, but if it's not telling your story, then you're never gonna be happy with any solution that you try and come up with. So. Yeah.
1: That's a great point.
4: Now, Mark, you got it? Yeah, I was just going to say, so we've talked about several good business practices here with financial literacy and making timely decisions, but is there any other um, best <laughs> b- business practices that you've seen with some of your clients?
2: <laughs> Loaded question yeah.
0: there.
2: Okay, be more specific. <laughs> uh, um, again, that's a good question because I'm... Again, every business is unique. Even even if you have two C stores on two different opposing corners, opposite corners, there there's going to be some uniqueness there. One of my favorite books is called The Effective Executive. I think it was written in 1964 thereabouts. Uh, it's it's not going to be a book that you read fast, but it's one of the best business books ever been written. And some of the st- especially in the first three or four chapters, it's like this could have been written yesterday or, or a year ago, two years ago. The If you get the book, if you get the book, do not skip the introduction because in the introduction, uh, Peter Drucker says, here are some of the traits, attributes of a great CEO. And I'm going to get to your question. The first bullet point he says with the, exec, the the first trait or the first thing that an effective executive does, notice by the way he doesn't say efficient, effective, there's a big difference. The effective executive always asks what needs to be done. So going back to the three parts of a business, marketing, selling, operations, and again you got the support functions, what needs to be done. So there are gonna be some things that maybe something's not working. So to me the best business practice is the one where something's not right. It's not going out and finding, hey, this is the this is the management technique of the day or this is what everyone's talking about. Who cares what what maybe great authors are telling us in your business right now, what needs to be done. Now if you need to go and get help on something like digital marketing, I mean that's that's to me that's that's over my pay grade. It's over my head. That's, that's abstract uh, to, to me. But if you can answer that question, to me, that is the best management practice. Because then you're going to start finding problems. You're going to start finding opportunities. So again, I know I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but to me, that's the oldest business practice in the book: is really identifying what needs to be worked great. on. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, each business has to figure out what the best practice is. And and if I can make one more point is I don't think the CEO is going to have to deal with – this is not going to be an issue with the CEO, but one issue, it's easy for all of us, we we serve in different parts of the business, so we're very – Hidden away in the deepest catacombs <laughs> of whatever part of the business we work in, we got windows now. Actually, yeah. <laughs> good, good point. So <laughs> but whatever it is that you need to work on, that needs to be done, you need to make sure that what you're doing doesn't impact the whole, the, the system. Because think of the business of the system. It's, your department mm-hmm. is not the system. Uh, Jim Spratt's department is not the system. It's just a piece. So, where is that he's working on? Again, you got to make sure that you're not. Having unintended consequences when you're answering that question of what needs to be done. Right. Yep. Well,
1: that's great. A lot of that sounds like the principles from like the Scrum. You know, make sure everybody knows everything going on and everything like that. So, good point. Yeah. Great good that's point. Solid. Nice.
0: Wow. Awesome. Okay. So we have a couple questions we like to ask everyone at the end of podcasts. So, what's a marketing or a business trend that you see um, for the next year going forward that's going to be probably one of the most popular or most impactful?
2: Again, I prepped. For this question, because <laughs> I needed to, uh, I am not a good forecaster of the future. I mean, some people are good at just really spotting trends. Since, since, I thought the context for this question is maybe marketing. One thing I have noticed, one thing I've noticed, there's two things I've noticed, and I again, I hope I'm not getting off track. From a marketing standpoint, if you look at the data, it's pretty strong that more people are exiting Facebook, more people are using Instagram. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Is that? Uh And do you see any advertising trends related to that? I I just have a feeling, again, I have no data, this is all anecdotal, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at Beth as I'm (laughs) answering this, but I I think one of the trends is going to be that is Facebook going to be, I don't think Facebook's going to go away for a long time but i don't know if it's going to be as influential as it was say maybe 3 years ago for again i could be mm-hmm. wrong
0: when i think it truly depends on the business type at this moment yeah. as to what's going to be working for them and instagram is it's very powerful depending on the business type that you are kind of want in that direction that you're wanting to go towards but facebook is so informational so in the moment right there that um it's, I don't. It, like you said, it's not going away anytime soon because it's so informational based, and just you can change your marketing methods and your advertising at a moment's notice to make sure that you're agreeing with the public.
4: And the great targeting
1: capability.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yes,
4: yeah, and it depends on your product too. If you have a very eye-catching product, it works on Instagram. because yeah, food, Instagram, it's very yeah, yeah like food that. especially.
1: Yes. So, no, so I, I think that's I think that's spot on too. Mm-hmm. So
2: I, I have a an interest in retail. And one of the articles I read, there's it mentioned 88 stores that have uh, shut down, gone bankrupt in the last 15, 16 years. I mean, not not 10, not 80 some, but I wanted to do some research on okay, who is succeeding? And so I, I found a, an interesting article of who are the retailers that are succeeding. And guess what? There's a there's a, there's a there's a common a common denominator, Dollar General. Mm-hmm. Family Dollar, (laughs) and then some of these other discounters. Uh, Dollar General, in my neck of the woods, they've added two new units. I'm in the middle of nowhere. So there's something maybe to be said about uh, discount uh, stores. So I know retail is not dead. It just depends on what part of retail that you're in. And the value
3: consumer segment is definitely growing. And your grocery stores are are continuing um, speaking to that segment heavily. Uh, I think that's where Dollar General is winning. they'll go where other big boxes won't exactly. and still be able to provide that value. Um, and there's, uh, we could do probably a whole podcast just on Dollar General because they've got a very smart business plan um, the way they go about it. But that's that's a great assessment to see them. You know, that movement towards theirs is very, very high. Um, and you mentioned earlier the effective executive. Um, what, if you could recommend one other business
1: or marketing book, what would it be? So if they, if they, what's the have-to read? Well, I want to interject first because this guy is an avid reader. He reads <laughs> dozens and dozens of books. And what you say a huddle? he spent $3,000 at least a year on books? That's right. A uh, low, I mean, at a, at a yeah. low year. Yeah, <laughs> a
2: so like this, he reads a lot. So. You know, I, again, I prepared for the question. <laughs> and and, and again, the, I think the context were marketing books, were they? So, I, had, or or so I, I went the marketing right. route. So cool. I hope that's okay. Yeah. But I think any business person is going to value. I did. Th- I didn't do one. I did three. Okay. <laughs> and there's, by the way, there's a, there's a why, and I'll try to go fast here. But uh, I do coach and mentor other uh, consultants around the country, and one of the books I have them to read uh, just to get started with marketing. So to me, the, I think I've mis- missed this before. Marketing is a two-sided coin. So one side you get the magic and the other side you get the logic. So I like the magic part of marketing. And so one of the books I recommend, now Beth, you may smirk at it. You may think it's (laughs) not that great. But it's a book that gets a business person to start thinking about the customer instead of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's called The Brain Audit by Sean D'Souza. The Brain Audit. I don't know if the word does, I don't know if it's brain audit or the brain audit, brilliant little book, recommended to a lot of, even small business owners, because if I feel like they don't understand marketing, it really gets to the basics, you know, who's the customer, you know, what's what's the problem, so it hits all those basics before you even start your tactics. The other book I highly recommend, even, I don't care if you're the CEO, I don't care if you're a departmental manager. Uh, it's effective in marketing. Uh, it's good if you're not a marketer, but it's it's influence. I have a feeling you've maybe read it, Josh. by have that? Uh, Robert Robert Cialdini. I don't know. And the book's called Influence, and um, outstanding. It addresses six universal principles that lead to uh, persuasion. It's, mm-hmm. it's a book about persuasion, and these are principles that are not manipulative you could use them for manipulation for example the the law of reciprocity yeah. but when i do something nice for someone what's what do you want to do automatically yeah. you want to the the back, yeah. Yeah. and then the the other book i'm reading it i read it once a year and i like to write i'm not great at it but i read the book uh made to stick uh, by the heath mm-hmm. brothers i think sean uh, our founders has read that book but I read it annually I usually listen to it annually as well but yeah, I think one. in the marketing space it's really good I think brain audit and, and made to stick are really two good complimentary uh, books and it's a book about about uh, persuasion as well so those are my my three picks at least for today, <laughs> for <laughs> today. <laughs> until you read the next one yeah. <laughs> awesome got some reading material on that one, so. <laughs> yeah
1: and then um last question we have uh, this is a this is a very much loaded question one piece of advice you'd offer a new entrepreneur or someone looking to get in getting into business or retail business.
2: Yeah, I've, again, I've, I've thought about this question. There are probably five, six, seven different ways to answer the question. Let's and I don't want to get, again. I don't want to get too deep here. But one question I would have is: Have they ever done business before? Has parents been in the business? Yeah. Let's assume. For your question, there's no background whatsoever. I think one of the first things I would do is let them know that this is going to be, it could be rewarding. It's going to be very, very hard. There's a book I read this past year, and I keep replacing these books every year with a different one. <laughs> uh, the People Who Created Banana Republic, you, know. you, you ever shop yes. there? So it's a husband-wife team that created that company. and. They have a little book, I think it's called Wild Company, Wild Company, and it's basically their journey of how they got started. I think they were journalists, I think they were writers, and not all was well in the beginning. And then things started going well, and then they got the proverbial big check, uh, they got bought out. And I would, I, my advice would be read a couple of books of uh, people who've been there. Uh, Derek Sivers. Derek Sivers created a company called CD Baby, one of my favorite little books, same thing. He, I mean, he started this little business and just to help other people out, other artists, and he, everything he could do wrong, it did go wrong. He, he ended up selling his business, did well. I would start with, if you're a reader, find a couple of books of people who've done it and failed. We need stories about failure. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't tell me the success stories. I want to hear stories of, of failure, but by the way, these people ended up succeeding. If you don't like to read, go find a couple people that have done this. You know, go seek out a, a, a Sean. You know, you've got a couple of business, I think, on the site. You reach out to people who have uh, started a business. Find out when did you want to quit. You know, you find out the things that worked, didn't work. I would just ask questions before you jump in great advice is, is that no that's, yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah. that's great advice that's the, the finding re- that the peer realist. group yeah <laughs> finding the
0: peer group that you can go and you yeah. can communicate with and understand that that nervousness or that excitement is perfectly normal or whatever it is whenever you're coming into a business But also the
3: realization of the expectation from the hard work the long hours uh, the defeats the losses um, but also understanding the ability to get back up is always still there yep. you know I, I think that you know understand you're going to get knocked down a lot um, and just being, I guess, I want to say okay with it, but knowing that's just part of the journey. And learning uh, from it. And learning right. from it, yeah. I mean, just don't just stand back up, you know, find, figure out why you fell, and then be able to get back.
2: Kind of like becoming um, an overnight success in 10 years. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those first few years will be hard. And, and I mench- I keep mentioning marketing, selling, and operations. Well, guess who's in charge of marketing, usually? The, the, the founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's usually the best uh, salesperson, the rainmaker of the company? Okay. the founder yeah, okay. uh, who's making things work in the back office who's working late at night on holidays so those first two to three years are so so hard once the money starts coming in you can start getting uh, a dedicated marketing person another sales team member and, and then so on you've had Brock on the show yeah. you know someone who's really good with operations but like said, so those first few years really hard because you're doing everything yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys got anything else for Mark?
3: No, it was a great conversation. appreciate you being able to come in today. I just hope your ratings don't
1: take up. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to uh, mention you, you can find Mark at g3cfo.com. And also, if you're curious, he dropped like six books on us today. If you're curious about what he's reading and what he's doing right now, check out cfobookshelf.com and subscribe to that because he has a weekly newsletter, which I'm part of. and it's- this guy reads a lot, writes a lot, <laughs> listens to a lot, and he describes all that and it's some really good pieces of advice in there. And a reminder about the comment. Uh, oh yeah, for the Colby test. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, so good. reach out to us as well. You can comment or reach out to us. Um, in the first three, we'll, we'll get we'll get you started with the Colby. Yeah. So all right, exciting stuff. Yep, once again, thanks Mark. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you very Thank much. much. Appreciate it. Okay, for all our listeners for Josh, Beth, Grant, and Tony, we'll talk to you next week.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Champs Chicken. For deals, discounts, and updates, check out champschicken.com slash connect be sure to stop by next week for another episode of qsr nation and be sure to check us out online at pfsbrands.com forward slash podcast